Hello, I'm Ben Bars, CEO of We Are Unity, and welcome to another episode of Catalyst Conversations. I'm really excited to be back, delivering your regular dose of all things transformation and innovation with some of the world's most progressive and influential leaders. My guest is a truly amazing woman, inspiring, gracious leader, and all-round powerhouse. Christy Woolrich, Chief Marketing Officer for KFC South Pacific. Now, in this episode, we chat about how she jumped from finance to fried chicken, how she approaches leadership, building a great team, and how she harnesses creativity to connect with consumers. What struck me personally was just how passionately she speaks about her team and their elevated success. It's certainly an approach that's swiftly taken this humble leader straight to the top. Christy's actually just been appointed General Manager of KFC South Pacific, a position I know she's already shining in. All right, well, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You've been with the business now how long? Three years. Three years. Wow. Okay. So um, we'll delve into a little bit of what you've uncovered and what you've learned along the way. But before we do, I mean, you were you were in the banking industry. You were working for one of the big banks for so many years doing marketing and branding there. How do you transition from the finance world to the food world? Oh, it's a good question. Part of it was I wanted to transition and, and do something different and new because I was at Suncorp for 15, 16 years. So wow. it was a long career there, which was awesome. But the, the opportunity to go and do something new and have a whole different learning experience was like too good to give up. So I think how do you make the transition? You just have to throw yourself into it as though it is a learning experience and, you know, you're meeting new people, you're learning new things. There's completely different dynamics around the category and the business that we're in. Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they sort of just follow that trajectory, you know, stay in that industry, stay in that comfort zone and you've just pushed yourself well out of it, a new language, a new world. Um you know, good on you. Oh, thanks. I don't think I thought about it as being a big move at the time. It just it just made sense. And the more I spoke to KFC, the more they just appealed. They were the dark horse. It was like culture was amazing and a real growth company, like really courageous and bold about investing in growth opportunities. And as a marketer, like what better opportunity could you sign up for? Absolutely. Now, um, I mean, for you, what makes a good good team? What makes a great team? What's the essence of one? The first part, I think I'd have to steal the words of my team when we talk about what we think is our strength and what makes us great. One of the one of the girls on the team played back, you know, for her it's that we're a we team, not a me team. And I know that sounds a little bit wanky to, to put it in those words as I say it on a podcast, but that truly is such an amazing thing about this group of people that makes us strong is that everybody is lined up to the shared outcomes that the team generates and it means that there's no individual heroes but also like a real openness to collaborate and challenge each other and and come up with the best outcomes so it it celebrates the i guess different perspectives and experience in the team but also like helps us really make good decisions about what's important and then just line up our resources to getting that done yeah wow so i love that about the team and i i love 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 just the the pure joy that they have for the brand and the passion and and that's infectious it's contagious across you know you can't help but love going to work every day when the people you work with are happy and and loving what they do 
That's great. I mean, energy is so important, isn't it? It says a lot about you as a leader too. Um, you know, the fact that these are the things that you're, you know, trying to reinforce and build in your team. But when we think about marketing specifically, what are some of the capabilities that a future focused, um, impactful marketing function really needs? What's the, the breadth of capability that's so core? The first one for me is really about curiosity and, and that learning agenda. And you've probably gauged from, from me personally, that's always been something that's driven me is the excitement of, of doing new things and learning about different things. And if you don't have that curiosity coming into a new role or even when you've been in a role for a while, it's really hard to, to work out what the next stretch and what the next growth is for the brand or for the business. So for me, that like value of curiosity and, and just being interested in pushing boundaries and thinking outside of the square is super important. The second is the humility not to think you have all the answers mm-hmm. and to be able to connect with others and seek out different perspectives and, and really take advantage of the knowledge of the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And in KFC, we're brilliantly set up for that because what, how the team work together is so collaborative across functions. And I know lots of organisations talk about collaboration. I think one of the things I love most about this team is that when you see them in action, it, it it's just so authentic. It's it We generally like everybody we're working with and therefore it makes it a joy to go and solve problems together and I think that collaboration and solving problems together and challenging each other to find a way to make it possible rather than just shutting down ideas Mm -hmm. is the second thing that I think is really important. And then, of course, there's breadth of skill set. I know you want me to say, oh, we've got to be good at digital and we've got to be good at data and we've got to be good at all of these new things and that's absolutely true. Um, But behind all of that is actually being good at understanding how to draw out an insight or understand what it is that makes someone tick or why something's working or why something's not working. Yeah. And if you can do that well, then the rest kind of follows because digital is just, you know, another form of reaching customers. It's another way of experiencing the brand. Data is just another way of, of piecing together insight. It's knowing what questions to ask that actually makes the big difference. And and that's what I really encourage the team to do. Yeah, it takes a lot of confidence to ask the right questions. Um, but obviously, you know, if you've got a curious team, they'll lean right in there. Now, KFC is such a creative brand, um, constantly reinventing, coming up with amazing new ideas, and we'll delve into some of those. But how do you essentially create foundations or an environment or conditions for creativity to ensure that teams constantly coming up with new great ideas? Oh, well, it helps when you sell fried chicken. I mean, we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's pretty fun. Um, and that in itself, like, really does create freedom for the team. I think the second is that we're, we're not a business that's um, strangled in bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important too because it, it gives the team freedom and empowerment to, to really come up and play with different things. And then thirdly, it's the clarity and consistency and um, just simplicity actually of the brand story that creates a tight brief for everybody to respond to. Mm. And I think because we know who we are mm. and we're so clear on that, every single person who works on the brand, whether they work for KFC or any of our agencies, would be able to tell you in a couple of minutes what the brand stands for and who we are, what our tone of voice is, and everybody has a common understanding of that, it means that you create the space to take the brand to places you wouldn't expect it to go Mm. because everyone can then connect with that because the story is told the same way every time. 
That's, um, you know, I think that's a, a really refreshing take because, you know, for so many organizations, there's a real struggle around brand advocacy and, and, and getting everyone on that same page mm-hmm. actually be able to talk about it in such a confident but also consistent way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, f- for those of our listeners who aren't marketeers, what's the difference between branding and marketing? Oh, good question. I think the best way to think about that is a brand's all about an image. It's about what you want people to think about you and who you are and how you project that out into the world. And it really is much bigger than any any marketing campaign or any any other lever in marketing because it, it starts at the very essence of the business. It's what's the business about, what do you stand for, your values, and and how do you want to share that with the world? What do you want people to think and feel about you because of that? Marketing for me is about how you drive growth. It's how do you bring customers in, how you make sure that you have a product that matches what they want, how do you convert that into profitable sales outcomes. You know, it, it's a whole heap of um, smarts behind the business drivers actually that how do you turn that brand into something that helps grow the sales of the company. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you've got 34,000 employees. Is that is that right, 34, 37,000? In Australia, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, wow. Not all of them are employed by Yum, though, which is um, which is I think part of the brilliance of the business model. The franchisees that make up KFC in Australia, most of those people are employed by them, and it's the community of people that really make that brand and, and deliver the customer experience that drives the love. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of HR people out there will be wondering how do you get people excited and connected to the brand? What's your secret sauce there? Again, I think it comes back to being really clear on who you are and celebrating that, playing to your strengths, being authentic about it. Um, for us, we sell fried chicken. As I said, like we don't take ourselves that seriously. It's not like we're saving lives, but we're proud of that. Like we, we are proud of the joy that comes with that. We're really proud of the quality of the product that we produce and that we hand cook it and it's fresh chicken and all of the things that we do to make sure that if we're going to sell fried chicken, we're going to make sure it's the best goddamn fried chicken you can buy. <laughs> and that's something people can buy into. And then the culture we wrap around the brand and the way we treat people, I think most most of those employees are under 25 years old. Mm. And most of them would say to you the number one reason why they work for KFC is the team they work with. It's the people. They're their family or their second family away from home and it's a beautiful thing. That's pretty powerful stuff. Now, you say that you you, you know, you focus on the fried chicken, but there's so much more to the brand. I was actually sent a, a bottle of finger licking good gin by KFC recently. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Are you guys in the gin business now? No, but we really believe in recognition. Um, and David Novak, who was the founding CEO of Yum, actually presented at our recent Global Leaders Conference about where that culture of recognition started. And it started with a rubber chicken he used to give out. It was absolutely ridiculous. He was running the brand. <laughs> when he worked for PepsiCo and then um, had had worked out that people need to feel valued and that the work that they're doing is valued and important to the company. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you are, are making recognition super visible and frequent, actually, and it's part of the culture. So he started with this rubber chook that he would, um, you know, call you out and say, hey, Ben, you know, this is – something I want to recognise you for. I'm going to give you my personal recognition award. It's a rubber chook and this is what it stands for um, and I'm giving it to you because of this. And that has permeated through the whole business. So now we all have our personal recognition awards. They all have a little story um, and we give them out publicly and, and make sure they're on show. Um, and the 
the gin, the finger looking good gin was a way of recognising our suppliers. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm yet to try it, so I might give it a go on the weekend um, <laughs> with, a, with a splash of tonic. I'll feed back to you later. But there's so much innovation coming out of the business. I mean, I, I read recently that you're now delivering food via drone. Is, is that real? Is that happening or is that just a pilot? No, it's real and happening, but it is still a pilot as well. Um, the The piece of work that we're doing there is about just really learning around where the future of of delivery and accessing our food could go. So we've partnered with Wing is the name of the company and Mm -hmm. you can, if you live in the the right geographic trade zone, you can in fact get your KFC delivered by drone and it's a super, super exciting experience. It only takes a few minutes. It's amazing. Wow. Wow. So whereabouts in Australia is that at the moment? You'd have to be in the south of Brisbane. South of Brisbane. Righto. I'll give it a go next time I'm there. That's uh, And more to come. I mean, you know, that's something you really want to roll out or? Well, I think it's early days and what we're trying to do is just learn about like how it works, does it work, can we get the right food to the customer and it be fresh and tasty and all of the things that we stand for. Um, you know, how, how could we make that work from a logistics point of view? I think the biggest limit is is really bigger than KFC or Wing. It's it's all of the um, legislation that goes around controlling our airways. But, of course. But it's, um, it's an early pilot because we really think that more and more we're going to need to find different ways to get food to people and, and it's just another way that we experiment. Yeah. Well, you've certainly got a lot of hungry customers. I, I, I read you, you're serving 2 million customers a week. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Gosh, that's serious numbers. And, um, you know, the connection to the customer, right? So there's, you've got all these fan clubs, you've got subgroups, um, going on. I think there was the, was it the Zinger Club at the moment? Oh, uh, the Men and the Zingers. Men and the Zingers. What's that all about? And how do you, how do you, how do you control that narrative when, when the customer sort of takes over the brand narrative in their own way? Men and the Zingers is a great example, actually, of just the love for the brand. And it comes back to having, a super clear and authentic story about who you are. It's simple. We know who we are. We can communicate that easily through everything we do. Mm. That makes it really easy for consumers to latch on to what they like about that and, and amplify it themselves. So to be honest, we can't control what happens in culture and, and that's part of the beauty of it. But what we can control is being authentic and consistent about who we are as a brand. Yeah. I mean, it's really more than just customers, aren't they? They are, they are a fan club. Yeah, right? they are. When, yeah. You, when you think about it, which is which is pretty awesome in terms of the possibilities. And I have to ask, I mean, there isn't a person in Australia who hasn't heard about the Buckethead Army. Um, how do you get, you know, thousands of customers to put a bucket on their head? How, how, do, you, how do you create that? Well, Ben, that would be a question for Sally Spriggs, who's uh-huh. one of the very, very smart marketers in my team. And that was her brainchild back in the early days of our cricket sponsorship. And she would tell you that um, it doesn't happen overnight. But it's an idea that comes from a, a very real and true insight about sporting culture and that it's almost cult-like in Australia and finding ways to tap into that kind of cult-like experience to enhance the fan experience on match day is what Bucketheads is all about. So a lot of a lot of standing around in stadiums handing out buckets in that first year that I think didn't really um, go on people's heads that frequently but you turn around and look at it now and it's one of the great success stories of Australian marketing. Absolutely. It's a, it's a phenomenon. Um, you know, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't heard of it. And, um, and just on cricket, I mean, why cricket? So, I mean, so many sports, so many options. Why does the brand want to be associated specifically with cricket? Well, cricket and footy actually. And, um, 
more broadly, because we understand just the role of sport in Australian culture is so important. It's part of our rituals as uh, how we come together as people, how we connect and uh, where we have fun and unleash our free spirit. So it's a great fit for the brand in that respect and cricket and particularly the, the Big Bash plays into that lovable larrikin kind of character that the brand represents. Now, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, you know, you, you've you've clearly learned a lot in the in the first thirty six months that you've been with the business. Um, have there been any um, sort of great learnings or mistakes that you're willing to share with us? Oh my God, too many. But um, probably one that I reflected on recently, which is a mistake I probably made worse at at SunCorp, honestly, um, and almost repeated when I started at KFC and you're new in a job and you just, you really want to make sure you're adding value. So you start over-investing, over-investing in time, you spin your wheels, you're trying to find um, that that point of value contribution that is going to kind of, I guess, validate why you were chosen in a role. And I think the, the big learning for me is you just, you need to set your priorities early in a new role or even a role that you've been in for a while and make sure that those priorities are aligned with what your values are. And for me, I made the mistake early at KFC of prioritising work over family. Mm -hmm. And I think setting boundaries for yourself that really allow you to to make sure those personal calls are the right calls for you is something that I would tell every single person and particularly young females working for me who are becoming mums is you don't get those moments back whereas your career runway is super long so you get lots of opportunities to shine but there's only like moments in time and they expire with your family so you've got to make them number one. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a tough balance, isn't it? Do I sacrifice the career, you know, for what I'm giving up today with with the family in particular? Was there a wake up call for you? Was there a particular moment that made you reflect uh, where you went, you know, I've got to make a change here? Yeah, it was probably when I was at Suncorp and I'd been promoted into the general manager for marketing at the time, which was a role I'd worked toward for so many years. I was so excited. So you can imagine like the, the worst of your ego coming through in terms of I'm just, I've got to master this role. And in any promotion situation, I think there's always a massive blind spot between when you're sitting in the role prior to that one and you feel like you're pushing all of the boundaries of what you can do in that role and that you're so ready for the next big thing. And then the next big thing is gifted to you and you realise how ill-prepared you are for it and how much more you need to learn. And and I think for me that just drives me into um, wanting to master it as quickly as possible. And I think that was my wake-up moment was probably 12 months into that role and realising that work was always going to be there. I was never going to get to the top of the mountain actually because it was a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. Um, and and my family needed me more at that time. So and that was part of my decision actually in in deciding to look at the next opportunity. That's great. It's so um, it's so impactful and it's so important. You know, as a message, I think for everybody. And over the last two years, I mean, we've all been sat at home staring into a camera, and I think a lot of people just reflected on what's the purpose of my life? Am I fulfilled? Do I have meaning in what I do? You know, it's essentially led to this great resignation that everybody's talking about, which is bringing everyone back to purpose and and you know, getting clear on you know where they're going. Um, now, one of the big conversations at the moment is around um, health and well-being. Can you can you give us an insight into how you manage your own self-care? 
Uh, I try not to drink too much wine during the week, but I <laughs> I generally am pretty forgiving of myself. Uh, I also try to make sure I do enough exercise, um, and if not every day, regularly enough. Mm. It's easy to actually put those things on the back burner when you're feeling the pressure of work and family, but I've learned the hard way that having a happy balance between me, them, and work is always a winning combination. So, yeah, for me, I, I love running, so that's my thing, and and I love particularly running near the beach because I love the ocean. So, I try to keep as much of that peppered through my week as I can, and it and it gives me perspective and and actually helps me be better at, at all three of those jobs. Yeah, that's it's 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 a tough thing to balance. But I mean, just on the wine front, what what is your favourite tipple? Where do, where do you go to? <laughs> oh, at the moment, I'm really loving a Pinot Noir with the the cooler weather coming through, but. Generally, I love a shardy, actually. I'm, yeah? Yeah. I'm, that's right. I'm Australian bogan. Nice. Sort of the, the crispy one or the buttery one? You... Oh, a buttery one yeah? for sure. Okay. Yeah. So you're in Chablis territory as well. Yeah, I love a Chablis. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, my uh, my partner and I were talking about our drinking habits and uh, through COVID, I think we stopped the binge drinking, but we were more consistently <laughs> drinking, <laughs> yeah. right? It sort of marked or symbolized the end of that day and the transfer from, from work to... So to, easy to do, isn't it? Isn't it? But are you getting your team together I mean, everyone's working from home everyone's trying to master this hybrid working um how do you get your team together do you, do you have a rhythm yet or, or is everyone still working based on their personal preferences we're finding our way through it um one of the things that we did which i think is really it has helped me anyway sent to me as a leader and and keep myself in service of the team as I think about this is we've been working with a psychologist on just the mental journey of COVID and and how that's challenged us cognitively and then what that means for us in terms of creating our own story regardless of what's going on wow. around us. And I think that's been a really interesting um exercise is to really look at ourselves and what makes us strong as a team and and what do we want to be able to say at the end of this year as to like what the year was for us and what it meant and then holding ourselves accountable to that because I think last year and probably the year before too we we lived with this mindset of if we could just get through xyz then we'll make time to connect with each other or if i just need to get on top of this mountain then we'll do all of these other things that are important to us Mm. and the the switch of mindset is actually to say regardless of what's happening around us we will be xyz together because that's what makes us strong as a team and and I, I just, I think the whole team's found that energizing actually to spend time reflecting on what's important to us. How do we have agency in a crazy, crazy world? Um, and set our own boundaries for, for, for what we're going to hold ourselves accountable to. How do you hold yourselves accountable? I mean, it's often one of those big things, isn't it? Go off site, dream big, lift yeah. your head above the clouds, make some plans, make some commitments. But then when you go back into your BAU, it's so hard to, you know, stay connected to that. How do you manage that? Oh, good question. I wouldn't say I've mastered it just yet, but I like part of that is just making it part of our everyday routines. You know, like you can't you can't dream big at an offside and expect that to come true if you don't have like follow through and actions that you're going to take to achieve your goal. And I think for the the team, we have a couple of commitments that we make to each other. We have one meeting a month, which we call the one big team meeting. And, and that's our, everyone's expected to be there face to face. Everyone's expected to contribute. And, and it's those kind of routines. I think that make that holding those and, um, 
holding those to account and making sure that we are not letting them slip is is an important commitment we make to each other. Yeah, keeping that rhythm. Do, yeah. you, do your team get to meet without you? Do they get to have conversations without you in the oh room? Oh, my God, always. Like, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> the team run the show. You don't understand. Is like, I right? just turn up and, yeah. you know, they tell me what's going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they're psychologically safe, which is… Uh, oh, I hope so. I hope so. That would be, um, I think, one of the greatest achievements as a leader is for your team to turn around and say, you created the safety for me to be the biggest I could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite, you know, it's it's something that I try to do and or I at least aspire to. Yeah, right. Now, what about your future? Because one of the traits of KFC is to take their top talent and move them around the world. Is that mm-hmm. uh, is that something you could see yourself doing in the future? Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the things I love about the opportunity, not just with KFC but with Yum. It's such a, a big and diverse company and the world really is your oyster. I had a conversation toward the end of last year actually with our global um, KFC global head of people and, you know, we were talking about, oh, he was asking me, oh, what, what do you think you'd like to do and like where do you see yourself and and I was giving him my answers and he said, yeah, they're, they're really good, they're really good. But you know what? He said, like, there's no boundaries. Like think bigger, be really bold, like have the biggest dream for yourself that you can and and." You don't know what your potential is yet, so just dream big and back yourself because you'll get there if you if you just believe. And yeah. I think that was that was a really um, inspiring, I guess, meeting that I had. And that's part of the young culture that makes working for a big multinational company so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Opportunities seem endless. And yeah. does your family agree with that? Would, would they be as excited as you to go into new territories? <laughs> Depends what day of the week you ask them, really. But I think. Generally speaking, when I started with the um, company, I had to move from Brisbane to Sydney to to do the role and that was a big decision at the time. And I remember saying to um, Nikki, who was my leader at the time, well, if I could do this, I could do anything, you know, and, and I still believe that. I think the, the move definitely came with its challenges with settling the kids and everyone into a new schools and a new lifestyle, but but once we kind of came through that cycle, it was amazing to see um, how much confidence the kids had in themselves because they had had that experience. And and I think they loved actually the idea too of the world of opportunity that KFC has opened up for us. Yeah, right. It sounds like you're a family of free spirits. And because uh, <laughs> one, one of the one of the uh, sort of you know um, the philosophies at, at KFC is unleashing your free spirit. Um, can you talk to us about that? Where does that come from? What's it all about? Oh wow. Well, this is one of the things that I loved actually, and it predates me um, as the CMO. It's the team that came up with this. But what they really believed is that the way to connect with people is to really connect through the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart eats first, I guess, was the the thinking behind that. And emotional relevance is way more important and inspiring for anyone than just rational proof points. Mm-hmm. And so when they tapped into that, what they um, uncovered, and at the time I think it, it, it was really salient and even now post-COVID I think we're just starting to go, is this the same inside, shaped a little bit differently. Australia was a nanny state and we were sort of pushing against the conservatism that was coming through, all of the decision-making we're doing. You think about COVID, all of the mm. restrictions and things like that, like it makes you want to rebel and and unleash your free spirit and KFC is truly like not an everyday food. It's fried chicken, as I've said, like it's a treat. And 
what better way to unleash your free spirit than when you're treating yourself and that feeling of reward and escape that you get. So that's where it came from. And I think the the small build on that is just when you think about KFC as well and that unique, like it's so tactile and you're holding that fried chicken in your hands and you bite into it like it's it's a guards down experience. It's not a clean eat. It's not like something dainty that you do with. Um, so it's that kind of idea as well of dropping your guard and being your true self. And and that really talks to the spirit of the brand and the spirit of the culture. Yeah, right. So I've got to ask you in that case, what is your favourite treat? <laughs> Zinger Crunch Burger. Zinger Crunch. I actually, <laughs> oh, with chips. I like, I'm a chip die hard i can't have a burger without chips is that right so with the mash and the gravy or no like i'm not just... really into the mash and the gravy although okay. i don't want to offend people because it's a, a big fan hit yeah. but for me I, I like a chip every day of the week over mash <laughs> and um in terms of getting into the kitchen and staying connected a lot of um retailers and, and and hospitality brands you know one of the things they're trying to get right is is keeping people who work in support office connected to the front line yeah. do you and your team take days out to go and just work in a store, hang out with customers? Oh, we do. Um, Before I was allowed to start my job, I had to train up actually in how to run a shift, both open and close, which means like you're doing a a 1am kind of clean up of the restaurant and and all all of the things that go with that close. So, and the belief is that really I wasn't qualified to do my job unless I understood what it was like to run a restaurant from the front line and, and all of the things involved in that. Um, so yeah, I spent six weeks in restaurant training, um, dressed in the KFC uniform, driving out to St. Clair near Penrith every single day. And it was a humbling experience, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but set me up well for the job that I do. And, and we repeat that anyone coming into the business spends time in a restaurant like that. And then, um, annually we do get out to restaurants and do what we call pulse days and yep. learn. Just getting, I'll get on the floor and on the fryers and, um, and it, like, honestly, the team don't see it as much help in the restaurant because we slow them down, but it's a good way of maintaining that empathy for the person that you're really serving, which is the restaurant general manager. Yeah, absolutely. A critical heartbeat to the business. Yeah. And uh, so what was your biggest learning um, when you had that experience? It's bloody hard work. Yeah. This is the first. Um, secondly, it's like, oh, for a company that sells fried chicken, there's a lot to, that goes into making that a really good product. Mm-hmm. And that means for the team that they've got to be on a lot of the detail. Um, and that can be stressful actually yeah. for them, but we hi- hold them to a really high account because our brand is, you know, is our business and, and the food quality and safety is what drives our, our brand. So we, we have such high standards. And I think as a team member, when you have to actually live those standards, you realize how much is expected of you and, um, and that again, like it, it gives you a genuine empathy in your decision making. Like I will, will never ever be allowed to put, um, for example, a new protein into the restaurant because the complexity that I would add on top of just that basic requirement is like, oh, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so my job's to work out how to grow sales and keep the business simple. Yeah, well, especially when you think about the demographic. Yeah. I mean, there's such a young young audience that have got yeah. to remember so much and deliver so much. And how does that impact the way you communicate with them? Because I think, you know, for a lot of organisations right now, they're trying to 
rethink or reimagine the way they communicate with their people? Um, you know, any any insight into the way you've changed communication with your people? I think we've got a lot of work to do on that. Actually, one of the challenges of of being a franchise business is that you've got to get a lot of people on board to make a, a manifest change in the business, like communication channels and. For us, I think we have things like Yammer, like all of the usual touch points, but increasingly what we're seeing is that, you know, the, the audience is 15, 16, 17-year-old kids and and their communication channels are different. I just have to look at my own 12-year-old to yeah. see, you know, it's a Snapchat. completely, yeah, and and just their whole way of communicating is is different. So that that's something that we're grappling with. Yeah, yeah even the language. Yeah, you know, connecting with them in 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 their way, um, you know, something to really think through. I think a lot of companies are now looking at how do we move from monologue to dialogue. So we've actually got two way yeah. uh, communication happening in the business um, now. Look, in terms of advice, there's a lot of companies out there that have changed the executive who runs brand and marketing. Right, a lot of companies are rethinking brand, they're rethinking purpose, and they're putting new talent at the helm. What advice would you give for a new CMO coming in? You know inheriting a team inheriting a brand there's obviously going to be legacy attached how do they set themselves up for success what would those one or two top tips from you be don't be an egomaniac because (laughs) consistency breeds success so get in and learn the business get to know the people build the relationships and start to form your point of view slowly around what needs to change to take it up to the next notch Mm -hmm. Often it's not the baby in the bathwater. It's the the builds you can do on the good and the great that's already there. That is is where the real win is. And I certainly um, have followed that advice, I guess, going into KFC and it has paid off in dividends for me. So I think that's the advice I'd pass on to the next person. Yeah, right. And and look, from a, from a um, relationship perspective, you know, quite often – marketers are you know often on their own um you know focusing on the external world and everybody else the cfo and the cpo and everyone's focused on the inside of the business how do you get other executives your peers excited about what you're doing connected to what you're doing i know i sound like a broken record but again it comes back to relationships and that the truth is that kfc no one function can be successful on its own. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the dynamic of the leadership team. It's an amazing team. Um, we've recently had a new CFO join the team in January and we've had to um, navigate together the the inflationary environment and what does that mean for our marketing and our products and what we charge our customers. And honestly, that could have been a really challenging thing to do because you can imagine my perspective as a lover of the customer and the brand and wanting to do what's right for the customer versus a CFO whose job is to do what's right for the for the P&L of the business. Um, but I can genuinely say that has been the most incredible project to work on together because he's a thought partner mm-hmm. and both of us are coming at it of what's what's the greater good of the business and and the outcomes that we're trying to drive versus um, what's my marketing agenda and his finance agenda. And I think that's just a great example of how it feels to work in the business. What's the future for KFC? Give us a give us a glimpse into the future state of the business. Oh, gosh, if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. There's 11 <laughs> secret herbs and spices for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> So, Christy, a couple of rapid-fire questions for you. Um, I'm nervous. Oh, stop it. 
two non-negotiables for you in life? Good food, good people. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd agree with that. Favourite campaign you've worked on? It would have to be the quest for a Michelin star, followed very, very closely by the recent degustation that we did. Is the chicken fresh or frozen? Fresh. Fresh. Every day. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think be prepared to get to know who you are and Mm -hmm. what drives you, what makes you happy, what challenges you, what your opportunities are. Like don't be scared of really, really looking into that, getting feedback on that um, because that is truly the most important thing as a leader. Brilliant. Couldn't have said it better. Wise words to finish on. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Christy. That's all for today's episode. If you found the conversation as valuable as I did, please rate, review and share it with others in your community. I genuinely believe the guests we have on this show provide some unique wisdom and valuable insight into our rapidly changing world. So if your organisation's facing transformation, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to get in touch and head over to weareunity.com for more about game-changing work. Until next time, keep growing and keep contributing.